So we'll focus on chapter 20 today. And in this chapter, you will learn this. You will learn how to respond to crisis. Everybody say crisis. Now, how many of you have faced crisis or facing crisis before? I mean, face crisis and facing crisis today. Raise your hand. What, the rest of you, what, you don't have crisis ever in your life? <laughs> life is that good? Or you're just one of those that never would raise your hand? I love you anyways. We all have crisis. We all have encountered crisis that we cannot handle. So we're going to teach you how to respond to that and uh, how to pray in crisis and how to believe. That will be your attitude and my attitude. How do we believe and how do you express your faith in that attitude and how God brings glory and, and that how we celebrate miracles and uh, signs and wonders. Verse, uh, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20th. Now, 2 Chronicles 20 is an amazing book because we have all, you know, heard about the stories in 2 Chronicles 20th. We have songs about it. We sang songs about it in the 80s, you know. And so it's a very famous story. And it will be a reminder to many of you, but I hope that we'll just do more than a reminder. I hope the Holy Spirit... Will speak to you and, and cause you to rise up to the next level. Because this, if you're in the, in the seasons of crisis, I want you to listen to this very carefully because this is a season of opportunity for you. Three people agree. If you're in the season of crisis, it's a season of opportunity for you. Come on, agree with me and receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let's look at chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites... And with then some of the Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. There are three countries, three regions of countries that are coming to attack Jehoshaphat. Now some men came and told Jehoshaphat a great multitude. Everybody say great multitude. Do you know how big is a great multitude? You saw the movie clip just now that we've been playing for the last forever. That's great multitudes. Can you imagine you're being attacked by those hordes and hordes of, 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 of people that want to tear you apart? I don't know about you. I'll be scared, man. I'll be running with my tails behind my legs, you know, just. It's a scary prospect. And as it, it should be. And so it's a great multitude coming against you from Edom and from beyond the sea. And behold, in are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Jedi, or in Jedi, depending on who you ask. Then Joseph was afraid. Everybody say, Joseph, uh, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Now, it is okay to be scared. You don't have to, you know, be macho, whatever. If you're afraid, it's normal. It's normal to be scared. And this is what he would do when he's afraid. And this is what I encourage you to do when you're afraid. Instead of run and panic, instead of, you know, complain, instead of just cry, instead of, instead of doing all that human naturally would do, I want to encourage you to do what Jehoshaphat did, is that he set his face to seek the Lord. Everybody say, set my face to seek the Lord. And that's what we ought to do, is to set our face to seek the Lord. When there is a crisis I heard a preacher say, when there is a problem, it's usually an invitation to come into the throne room of God. Don't run away trying to fix your own thing. Listen very carefully. Some of you in crisis or be facing crisis or face crisis before. Next time when you face a crisis, don't do what you naturally would do. 
Listen to what the Word of God is teaching this morning, and I tell you, it's going to be an opportunity for you, an opportunity that's beyond your imagination. Okay, we'll come to that. Now, so, so he set his face to seek the Lord. Now, now, let me tell you why sometimes, in fact, it's often that whenever you face trouble, they don't usually come in drips. You've heard that term is that when it rains, it what? When it rains, it's what? Now, why is that? Why is it every time when there's a problem, they come in groups? Right? So, so you're, you know, you're, you're, you wake up in the morning, everything was fine, and then you slip in the bathroom, and you hurt yourself, and as if that wasn't enough, you go out, you know, you, and then you walk into the kitchen, and the faucet is leaking, and then you, you pour coffee, and then you, you, know, you, you spill your coffee on your brand new shirt, and you got to change it, and you're really tired and frustrated, and then so now you get in the car, and you, you drive on the highway, somebody's cutting you off and cussing you, and you get really, really mad, and then somebody scraped your car, you got into your parking lot, you parked your car, and then somebody just took your favorite spot and then you walk into the office, you know, your boss calls you in and he's mad at you because something just happened and just on and on and on and on and on and on. It's almost like a flood is coming to you. That's the tactic of the enemy. Every time when he attacks you, he doesn't come dripped and drabs. He doesn't come just trickle in. He wants to overwhelm you and that's the reason why. Number one is because he wants to create this emotion called fear. In fact, it's not even really an emotion. Do you realize that fear is the opposite of faith? Fear is actually faith. Faith in the negative. When you're fearful, you are actually believing your enemy is bigger than you or your God. That's what you're fearful. You're like, oh my goodness. See, if you, just, just think of this, right? If you are having a sword fight with an ant, would you be fearful? Because you know for sure that you're going to crush the bugger, right? It's easy. But the reason the enemy wants to just flood you is because he wants to create this sensation of fear. He wants you to believe that your God is small. He wants you to believe that situation is way beyond your control. He wants you to give up. He wants you to believe in him more than you believe in God. That's what fear is. So you're believing something anyways. You always have to believe something, whether you want to choose to believe in the Word of God or you choose to believe in the voice of the devil and the circumstances around you. Either way, you have to hook your faith on something. And the devil wants you to hook your faith on what he tells you that would be fear. The second reason why the devil always wants to throw a lot of things at you to overwhelm you is because he doesn't see just you. He sees what's behind you. You remember the story of Elijah and uh, Gehazi? Remember the story? The servant of Gehazi, you know? Um, they, they, he was told that this horde of an army from Assyria, uh, the Assyrian army is coming to, to attack one person. Are you serious? Why does he need to? You see, I believe the king of Assyria was being demonically influenced by the devil, and the Bible said they were, because every prince, every king on the earth is being affected or controlled by the regional prince in the air. You see, you're making it up. I'm not making it up. It's from the Bible, in the book of Daniel, in different places, Jeremiah. You know, so every region is being controlled. So the king was being controlled demonically, and he knows, he knows that he cannot just go with just a little commando unit, because he's, he, the devil knows that the army that he's going to defeat is not Elisha. It's what's behind Elisha. And Gehazi didn't see it. 
And so he got all panicked, like all Christians, right? So, oh my goodness, look at this overwhelming thing. And Elisha had to pray to God. God, open his eyes. And what did he see? He see the army of God was standing, getting ready for the attack, which is myriads, myriads of heavenly hosts. See, what the devil sees is more than what you see. And a lot of times when the attack comes, it's because your enemy is able to see what you don't see. That is the army of God right behind you. The word of God says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Now, this is what happened. So they, they, the enemies are coming. Just want to tear them apart. And this is what they do. They offer up a prayer. Verse 5. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And say, O Lord, our God. I want you to pay attention to the way he talks to God. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? He didn't go, oh God, help. He went and asked a question. He's, it sounds like he's challenging God. You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Next verse. Did you not? Our God, here's another question. Drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Here he is reminding God, hey, did you not do this for this purpose? Next verse. And they have lived in it and have built for you a sanctuary for your name, saying there will be Solomon. And this is Solomon prayer. He's quoting Solomon prayer. If disaster comes upon us and short judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house, before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. Now this fellow obviously knows the word of God. He knows the history. He knows all the promises of God. He knows all the doing of God. Verse 10, and behold, here it is, go back to the history again. The men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, whom they avoided, did not destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of, out of our possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our God, verse 12, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against him. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's a good word there. When you have problems, you put your eyes on Jesus. You all know that. Amen? A lot of times we like to put our eyes on the situation, get all panicked and all fearful. God wants you to put your eyes on him. But watch the way that he talks. If I were the one who's praying in my flesh, I'll go, oh God, please, 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 I cry, oh please, Lord, please, 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 I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. And the religious people, you know, they would just hurt themselves and so forth, you know. I just want you to pay attention to how he talks to God. It's almost like he's having a conversation, an answer, a question, a challenge. And this is what he was doing in Isaiah chapter 43, 25, 26. 
we learn about how God is teaching the people of Israel to pray. Especially when they want to please something from God. In that context is righteousness and forgiveness. But the truth is this, is that we pray, we can pray this prayer with God. In Isaiah 43 verse 25, 26, sorry. God says, put me in remembrance. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together, declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. God is wanting you and I, when we pray, to plead with him, but to bring him to remembrance. Everybody say, bring him to remembrance. Do you know what time when you come to God, instead of asking God, begging him, you need to familiarize yourself with this word. You need to say, God, did you not say this? You know, some of you men looking for, for a wife, you know, instead of asking, you know, instead of just trying to ask everybody in the mother out for a date, which is good, which is good, it's good. You're brave. God bless you. Some guys need to be brave for it. You know, there are a lot of good wives here, but nobody's asking them out. But, you know, yeah, praise God. But anyways, you know, so instead of asking God, Hey, by the way, if you're married, don't do that, okay? I'm a single man, okay, single man. But if you're asking God, you ought to say, God, did you not say he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing? Did you not say that, Lord? You see how you ought to pray? And some of you are looking for provision. You know, you're worried about it. You say, oh, God, I need that job to provide for my family. I need this job to provide for my family. Instead of that, maybe you should say, Lord, did you not say, if I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, everything, all things will be added to me. Did you not say that, Lord? I heard I was reading a book uh, about Charles Feeney. You know, he, go, he goes around to different cities to pray for revival before he preached. And that the way that he would pray to God He's getting all the scripture that he knew. And he will ask God, did you not say that there will be revival in this place? Did you not say that, God? I think it's a good idea. Sometimes we bring God to remembrance. You say, does he not remember? I'm sure he does, but that's what he wants us to do. Let's do it. Did you not say that you'll provide for my needs? And some of you are sick. So a lot of times we'll pray this prayer, Lord, I, I believe you say you're worshiped by your stripes. We're healed. Praise God. You know the word of God. But maybe you should try, God, did your word not say that by your stripes I was healed? Have you ever tried that prayer before? It is really powerful when you know the word of God when you pray. First John tells us that if, if, we, if anyone will come and he pray in the will of God, we know that he hears in the will of God. There was a lot of people who pray prayers. God doesn't even hear them because they're not in the will. Hello, how are you here? The word of God says that we know he hears us because we pray in his will. So if you're not praying in his will, you have no guarantee that he would even hear you. So we pray in his will. How do you know the will? You got to know the word. Know the Bible. 
You say, well, it's kind of late now, you know. I have so many Bible books to go through. Well, go through those, quote those familiar ones, you know. Come and talk to the pastor, whatever. Some of the teachers, some of the small group leaders, you know. Teach, you know, if you have certain needs, you know. You know, I heard, I heard a brother used to say, he said, you know, whatever you need to ask for the Lord before you even ask it, just make sure that it's in the Word and it's not quoting it out of context. Like, you know, Lord, you know, since David had Bathsheba, therefore I can commit adultery. That is not true prayer, right? So it's in the Word as a promise. Not as a story, as a promise. You need to know the Word. Search it out, make sure you know the Word. And you pray this, pray, Lord, did you not promise me that? Did you not, Lord? Pray this prayer. Bring him to remembrance. Why? Because he told us to. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with all their little ones, their wives, and their children. Do you know there is power in agreement when it comes to prayer? You know, Jesus said that if two or three should gather in the uh, should, should agree and ask anything on earth, shall be given to them. Have you heard that scripture before in John? What do you know about what is much more powerful? Is gathering in agreement with your family. Some of you have children that are serving God. Maybe you should pray with your spouse in agreement. Don't pray yourself. Come in agreement. As children, little ones, wives, children, you know, does your family have some challenges? Well, come, if you already married, have children, oh my goodness, that's such a blessing, especially when they're serving God. You come in agreement. I'll tell you this, when there is such agreement in the family to serve God, nothing can knock them off. I want to encourage you, you know, those family, if your wife wants to serve God, you serve God together with her. If your husband wants to serve God, serve God together with him. Don't let them run the race themselves. Come in agreement. There's a tremendous power when you, come, when, you, when you come in agreement with your family. Now God answered them in verse 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. The son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Metaniah, Levi, the son of Asaph, and in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King, Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. That says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but the Lord. Everybody say, the battle is not mine. The battle is not mine. And what do you do when the battle is not yours? You. How do you give it to God? Withdraw your emotion. Everybody says withdraw your emotion. So this is the third time I mentioned it. Okay, I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again. This is how you get out of there. You know, if you get involved with your friend's uh, argument, because you're all emotionally worked up and you're getting yourself involved in emotion, you're not supposed to. People gossiping about things and you get yourself all twisted up and emotional when it has nothing to do with you. Withdraw your emotion from it. Don't fight the battles that don't belong to you. And we talked about it last week. Some of you are trying to fight the battle for your healing. My goodness, God never called you to fight the battle for your healing. Get your emotion out of it. I got two amens here. Get your emotion out of the battles that do not belong to you. Come on, hallelujah. So what battle are you involved in? 
So get out of the battle because the battle is not yours. Your struggle today is not yours. Get your emotion out of it. Go and have a party after church if you're sorrowful. Are you here this morning? You and I should have an attitude. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Blah, 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 devil. You just blah, blah, blah. I, just, I don't want to hear you. Who cares? I'll tell you this. This is a struggle for many people. I was, um, you know, this Monday we actually gathered about 100 pastors in the city here to this church to minister, to bless them, to feed them, you know. And that's what we, I like to do is just to be a blessing to other pastors, you know. And, and just they're, they're pastors. They're pastoring a few thousand people here. They're here and, and with the whole staff. And we're just so honored to bless them. One of the biggest struggles that was mentioned in the conversation was mental health. And then after Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday we had this all-day event, you know, with all this pastor. And then and I was down in Oklahoma City to spend time with some pastors, you know. And one of the things that they talk about was suicides among ministers. There's a high degree of suicide among ministers. Many of them small churches you don't know about. You just hear about those mega church pastors that kill themselves, like become a huge news. In fact, there's this one recently, a couple of months ago, this pastor had a mega church. He went and shot himself and killed himself. He had been depressed. You know why pastors, we get, you know, we, 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 got, we got pulled into people's problems, yeah? Because they want to tell us our problem. And we were supposed to help them because we're in the giving business. You know what I'm saying? We're giving profession, they call it. So, so, so we always want to be giving, you know, give, helping people. But, you know, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, I will get drawn emotionally into a battle that don't belong to me. Yes, I would help them. But I have to learn over the years to leave my emotion out. Sometimes people say, you're so aloof. I try to survive. I try not to be in a battle that I'm not supposed to be in. I hear this morning. Verse 16. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jurel. Now, this is how you are to fight, okay? You will not need to fight in this battle. First of all, it tells you to go down against them. Then don't fight. You know, it's like, go, go against them, but don't fight. What do I do? I'll show you, okay? Number one, you stand firm. Everybody say stand firm. Number two, hold your position. Everybody say, hold my position. And then number three, just watch the movie. That's what it says here. See the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Stand firm. Hold your position and watch the movie. Watch it. Watch, watch, watch it. Play it out. Don't get your emotion involved. And I know some of you, when you watch the movie, you got all emotional. Right? I got relatives like that. You know? That relative is here. Sometimes we watch movies that are actually not emotional at all, like this person will be crying. <laughs> what are you so touched about? <laughs> but it's fine, you know, the, the, movie, the movie maker, the good movie maker, they're trying to draw you into this to the movie, to the storyline, which they're, they're really good at that. 
But that's fine, just watch a movie, right? But I'm talking about when you're facing a situation, you watch what God is doing. Get your emotion out of it. In other words, God said, don't have faith in the power of darkness, in fear. Have faith in my power and enjoy the show. See what I can do for you. Some of you need to just step back and have a coffee and enjoy the show. Can I hear an amen? Come on. You just need to learn how to be in rest. So tomorrow you go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Now this is how he responded. How they responded. Verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Korahites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Everybody say, praise the Lord with a very loud voice. How do you respond when God say yes to you? Even before you see the yes come to pass. I tell you what most Christians do. Thank you, Lord. And you keep doing whatever you do. Because you're thinking, just in case it doesn't come through. Right? But here, they're worshiping God. And they stood up to praise with a very loud voice. Now, skip all the way to uh, verse 21. We're going to come back uh, to verse um, uh, um, 20 later on. Just go to 21. And this is how they face the trouble, right? God says, I'm going to help you. So the next day they went down. They're supposed to engage in the, in the enemy. Now, how did they do that? They took counsel with the people and appointed those who were to sing. What? You're going to go to battle with singers? And uh, to sing the, the, uh, to the Lord and praise Him in holy attire as they went before the army. And say, give thanks to the Lord for His steadfast love endures forever. God hasn't done anything yet. Up to this point, the horde of armies just right in front of them, eyeballs to eyeballs. Fear of death probably rising with them. Do you know in the old days when they go to war, they try to scare each other off by screaming and yelling, ah, right? You, you watch those war movies, right? Like uh, Braveheart. Is it Braveheart or whatever? I was going to say Die Hard, which is another movie. You know, Braveheart, you know. All those war movies, you know, uh, 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 they're very scary. They're trying to create fear. But they're going down there. Instead of trying to create fear in the enemy's camp, their battle belongs to the Lord. In other words, they're going to let God fight the battle. They are not doing one thing to the enemy, not one thing. But what they were doing is they were offering a praise to God. James, the Bible, the Bible tells us that faith without works is what? Faith without works is what? Faith without works is dead. So what is our works of faith? You can choose one or two. The biblical way and your own way. A lot of people say, you know, you believe in, and, and God will not help, only help those who help themselves. Have you heard those lines before? My goodness, those are not a godly line. They're not godly line. 
the works of faith is not to engage in doing what you would do normally if God doesn't help you. The works of faith is to do the works of God. Everybody say works of God. In this instant, the works of God is in the midst of battle and crisis. While the devil is standing right in front of you, instead of attacking him, which you're not given the power to, you let God attack him by what? Praising him. Worshiping him. Verse 22. And when they begin to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambush. And against the men of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting themselves, themselves to destruction. And that when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, and they all helped to destroy one another. Instead of fighting, Jehoshaphat, they turned their guns on each other, not guns, like sword, against each other. Now let's go back to 22. When did God set an ambush? When did God start doing that? When they began to sing and praise. I tell you this, some of you who are in crisis, you ought to be the loudest in worshiping and praising God. One clap. Listen, either this is going to work or this is not going to work. You are here already, might as well just put in the effort. Hello? Many of the people who are struggling, they come to church and they just don't want to do anything. I don't feel like singing, Lord. Thanks a lot. Here God is teaching you. The harder you're being pressed, the harder you do what? You sing and you praise God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. By the end of the service, we're just going to just give it all we have to worship God. And as you do, God is going to fight on your behalf. Now watch this. Go back to verse 20. And they rose early in the morning and went into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah. Now, this is important. If you use your Bible, man, I underline it, cross it, I put stars around it because it's so important. Jerusalem said, hear me, Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. Everybody said, believe in the Lord my God. What's he going to do? He's going to establish you. You want God to establish you? You got to believe in him. How to believe in you? You praise him. You worship him. Now, watch this. The next one most people don't want to hear. Believe also his prophets. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Then he'll prosper you. You know, a lot of people don't realize what I do now is I'm standing as prophet to speak to you. I'm not standing here just an orator to kind of convey some Bible message. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. There would be no life. You know what a prophet is? I hear from the Lord and I speak from what I heard from the Lord. You think I cooked this whole thing up myself? I had to seek the Lord. I spent most of my days during the week to seek God so that I can get a message. This is not my message. I preach sermon that is not mine because it's dry as anything else. Some of you said in there before. <laughs> and you've been to services in church, you know, they preach and they preach, they have all those amazing information, but dry like no nothing. There's no life. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not working in it. 
So when I speak, I speak as an oracle of God. You say, how could you? Well, otherwise I wouldn't even do, I wouldn't be doing it. You say, you're a pastor, you're not a prophet. They call me pastor because of my vocation. That's the title we give to people who serve the Lord full time. We pastor this, that, and the other thing. That's fine, that's a vernacular, I go with it. But when I stand here and speak, I speak prophetically to you. You say, I don't believe it. Well, then you won't prosper, Shandai. I didn't make this up. You have to believe what is being said here and what is being preached here. Otherwise, you shouldn't come here. You say, you're so bold, Pastor. Shaka, you better believe it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And you say, is it true? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says this. The office of the prophet, prophecy is to what? Bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And that's preaching. Even the Baptists believe that, except they don't really believe in the prophetic, in that supernatural. But you ask any, any Baptist, they will tell you prophets are the preachers, are the pastors, or the speakers on Sunday, or whoever speaks as an oracle of God. But the Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Test the spirit. Don't believe what everybody tells you. There are going to be people that will tell you they're a prophet of God. And last week I conveyed to you a story. Even people that would know your secret. And that's how they gain their trust. Right? The devil knows that. But you got the Holy Spirit in you, right? And speaking of secret, you know what? I just, I just went to my... I have never hardly looked at my span box. So yesterday, I saw 256 messages in my spam box. I thought, okay, let me check it out. And there's one guy, he started with, I know what you do. And somehow, he has my old password that I haven't used for a long time. I don't know how he got it. He told me my login name and my password that I haven't used for a long time. So if one of those guys that never changed the password, <laughs> I would have been scared, right? So these days, they kind of force you to change your password all the time. And he said, I know what you do. This is your password. You need to send me one Bitcoin. Then I'll keep quiet. I was so tempted to reply and say, go ahead. Make my day, you know? <laughs> Be like that dirty Harry, you know? Go ahead, make my day. You remember the movie? See, information secrets is actually there to establish trust. And the devil knows that. Don't believe in everything that the so-called prophet tells you, even if he tells you some of your secret. May the Holy Spirit in you guide you. Because if there's a check, then you need to reject it. And on top of that, of course, you need to know the Word. It has to be confirmed with the Word. Deuteronomy also taught us how we can test the prophets. Now, let's jump all the way to verse 24. This is how God answers our prayer in crisis. Okay? So, the enemy got routed. They killed one another. And you thought, okay... God answered prayer. But that's not the whole prayer that he answered. 
in verse 25, when they came to the enemy's camp, they saw everything, all, everybody died, bodies everywhere. And on top of that, they took the spoil they found among them in great numbers, goods, clothing, precious things, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. Friends, let me tell you this. When there is a crisis, there is an opportunity for God to bless you beyond your imagination. Ephesians chapter 3. Come on, praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says that he is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you can ask or imagine. That's the God we serve. You come to him with a crisis, he's going to bless you, silly. He's not only going to answer your question, he's going to bless you. You know, the God we serve, he's an extravagant God. I say it all the time. He doesn't answer you with just a morsel of, here, little, come on. Is that not enough? He's going to ask you a prayer with such an overwhelming blessing that you have no room to contain it. It's a scriptural promise. It's the promise of God. And you can go ahead and ask God, did you not say that you are going to bless me exceedingly, abundantly, beyond, beyond all that you can ask or think of or imagine? You imagine that God is just going to pay your bills, you know, all your credit cards that would be paid off. But what he wants is by the time he's done with you, you're going to have a house, a car, all paid for. Now, wait, wait, wait. don't think I'm trying to preach prosperity preaching here. I do believe in the prosperity of the Lord. I'm not saying, okay, you, you know, I just want you to be careful. I, my point I want to illustrate is that he wants to do amazing things in your life. You may be asking for a spouse. But he also have many little children for you. Children's children's, you know. These are the promises of God. Worship team, can you come? Verse 29 and 30 is very important because this author is completing a story and he wants to make some kind of comment. He said, and the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So first of all, the fear comes to their enemies. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. Check this out. When the enemy attacks you, guess who gets the terror? Terror goes to your enemies. And peace comes to you. When the enemy attacks you, every time you feel like you're under attack, you should just say, devil, I don't know if you know your history. Terror is coming to you. (laughs) 